this time will speak about the automatic advantages that result from our study and practice of Dhamma, of the, the dependent origination which we have studied and the mindfulness with breathing which we are practicing. You might be a bit surprised to hear that when you have practiced these two things, dependent origination and mindfulness with breathing, successfully, then you will automatically become the best follower of every religion. This is quite an interesting point, that you'll automatically be the number one follower of all the religions in this world. This is because all religions aim for the same thing, namely the destruction of selfishness. If you study them, you'll see clearly that whether Buddhism, Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, or whatever, all of them are seeking to eliminate selfishness, which is the cause of all the defilements and all suffering. So in this way, there is this common, common ground amongst all the religions. And the fruits or results of, of practicing happen automatically. We say automatic because they happen even if we don't look for them or have no intention that they will happen. If we practice correctly and fully, then they happen by themselves, <coughs> even though sometimes we're not aware of them. If one sees dependent origination, then one automatically sees the Buddha. The Buddha himself said that whoever sees Paticca Samuppada sees the Dhamma, and whoever sees the Dhamma sees the Buddha. And so therefore, by seeing and realizing dependent origination, we see the Buddha. In fact, we become little Buddhas ourselves quite automatically. Now, dependent origination, as you have been studying it, is all about how dukkha arises and how dukkha is quenched. When you understand this for yourself, when your understanding is thorough and complete, then you can control the flow of dependent origination so that dukkha doesn't arise anymore and so that there is the quenching of dukkha instead. To do so is to realize the most excellent fruit in, in life. This is the most excellent thing there is. It's the highest personal benefit in terms of what we can receive from life ourselves. 
personally, this is the highest thing. This is the best thing that a human being can get from life. And so this will be the automatic benefit or advantage of having studied dependent origination. This, all the principles of dependent origination are completely natural. This is nothing but natural law. It's existing in nature. And so it can also be found in all the religions. If you look carefully, you can see it appearing in different ways, in different religions, and under different names. Some religions rename this law and call it God. In Buddhism, we call it Dhamma. Dhamma, the law of nature or natural law. This is something that is existing in all the religions. It doesn't belong to any one religion. And so you don't have to waste your time thinking about what country I come from or that I was born into such and such a religion and so I must carry on the religion of my parents and on and on. It's not a matter of culture or any of those things because these are human creations. This, this law of nature is fundamental and universal for all of us. And so when we come to this understanding, it automatically becomes, becomes ours. Now, if, <coughs> if you have been a Christian previously, then studying dependent origination won't make you lose your Christianity. In fact, you'll increase or perfect your Christianity onto a much higher level. That is, you'll be beyond good and evil, which is the goal of Christianity. It's the first commandment of God to be beyond good and evil. Through studying dependent origination, we become an even better Christian than ever before. If your parents are Christian, <clears throat> then they'll probably remain Christians. However, they need not have any fear or worry that they'll lose their children, that their children will stop being Christian. Because in fact, through understanding dependent origination, you can be better Christians than ever before. And so there's nothing disrespectful or, or disloyal regarding our parents and relatives and friends by studying these things. Because in fact, it enables us to be a far better Christian than we ever have been. And that will help our parents to be more successful 
in, in what they had hoped for us and also in their hopes for themselves. If you are a scientist, then you won't lose your, your being, you won't lose that quality at all. In fact, you'll be more of a scientist than ever because dependent origination is a very scientific study of how dukkha arises and how it quenches. And you will be able to quench dukkha in the most scientific way. That means you won't have to depend on any superstitions or irrational beliefs or anything emotional or like that, but through study, experiment and understanding, you will understand it yourself and be able to quench dukkha through your own practice. And so one will be more of a scientist than ever before, on a higher level than ever before. Even if you're a businessman or woman, a social activist or a politician, you won't lose the, the benefits of these various worthwhile roles in society. Instead, we'll be even better at carrying out the, these activities in a way that is even more beneficial for society than ever before. When we understand dukkha and its quenching, then we will be able to live without dukkha. This will bring an energy and joy and freshness into our lives. And so we'll be much more active and much more capable in performing our responsibilities as business people, social activists, politicians, or whatever. Even so we can serve society far better than ever before. We even more, we will, in knowing how to live without dukkha, we can help others to also live without suffering. And so we can be the most benefit of all. If you are successful in your practice of mindfulness with breathing, you'll be able to summon any mood or state of mind that you wish or any feeling that you, you wish. And you can drive away any bad moods or bad feelings that are getting in the way. You'll have the ability to, to put the mind in whatever state, mood, or call up any feeling that you feel is appropriate. And you'll be able to be free of any harmful, bad moods, feelings, and so on. You will be the master of life. You'll be able to govern 
you'll be able to govern your own mind. And this means you'll be able to govern life. If we can't govern our minds, our lives are out of control. But when we have the ability to govern the mind, then we, that is the same as governing life. And then any, we will be able to find success in everything we set out to do when we can govern life, when we're the masters of our own lives. We can accomplish our goals and everything that we undertake. If we are genuinely successful in practicing mindfulness with breathing, this will be an automatic advantage. The only thing we worry about is that you may not yet be completely successful and then you won't realize this, you won't come to this highest, this, to this advantage. When you have successfully practiced the second tetrad of mindfulness with breathing, then you will be able to summon up rapture, contentment, joy, happiness in just one breath. Think about this. In just one breath, you can call up these kinds of joy and happiness. Think of the advantage of this, that to, with just one breath, to be able to have these things present. This is one of, this will happen automatically when we have completed our practice of this tetrad. When you slip and fall into anger, and then anger is disturbing our minds, you can chase away that anger with just one breath if we have if we really know how to practice mindfulness with breathing or the opposite if some kind of love is disturbing and annoying the mind then we can chase it away with just one breath any kind of harmful disturbing state of mind or mood or emotion can be driven away with just one breath. And any desirable, beneficial, skillful state can be called up. This is the automatic advantage of being able to practice mindfulness with breathing. When you are <clears throat> well-versed or skillful and expert in mindfulness with breathing, then we can say that you can control the world, that you are master of the world. This means that you will always meet a world which is desirable and beneficial and you will never, you'll never meet the world in a way that is undesirable. You will, all the things in the world 
will no longer be a problem for us. We'll be above all the problems of the world by being able to practice anapanasati. Another amusing result <clears throat> is that we can find happiness without having to use any money, without even spending a penny. In the past, if we wanted any kind of happiness, we had to pay money for it, to look even for the littlest kind of happiness, we had to spend money in our attempt. Even just to entertain ourselves costs money. But now, one can find happiness, and it's an even better kind of happiness. It's a superior form of happiness without having to spend even a penny. You ought to observe that there are two kinds of happiness. <clears throat> there is hot happiness and cool happiness. The kind of happiness that we have bought with our money, this is hot happiness. It's hot, it's disturbing, it involves a number of problems and difficulties. It's not peaceful or calm. It's not cool. Cool happiness doesn't cost any money. It involves no difficulties, and it doesn't disturb the mind in the least. So much of the happiness that we have, been, that we have gotten in our lives, especially the kind we pay for, is this hot happiness. And so it really doesn't allow the mind to rest or be at peace. Instead, it disturbs the mind and it interferes with life. We should recognize this difference between hot happiness and cool happiness. A lot of the times we have a, a gladness that is more, more trouble than it's worth. Sometimes we have to really endure our own happiness until it goes away. But there's a whole other kind of happiness which doesn't involve these, these difficulties. Through anapanasati, we can discover and have this cool happiness whenever we want, and we can be free of the hot happiness. This matter is a very subtle one and it requires that we observe very carefully, very profoundly in order to understand it. The hot happiness is the happiness that is still under the influence of the world. It's a happiness that is still dependent on the world. The other kind, the cool happiness, is free of the world. It's above and beyond the world. And so the world has no power over that happiness. Therefore, it is cool and peaceful. We're getting various kinds of gladness 
and indulging in it without ever looking to see how hot this this gladness can be, how it disturbs and muddles the mind. In the kingdom of God, there is no gladness. In the kingdom of God, there is none of this worldly happiness. Now, we don't have to wait until after death. We can now, in this life, be free of this hot happiness. We can experience the happiness which is above both gladness and sadness. This is something that we can realize here in this life if we are successful in practicing mindfulness with breathing. When we can master our minds, then we can master life, which means to be unselfish. If we can realize this for ourselves and then cause the our friends in the world to realize the same the same advantage, then the world will be free of selfishness and all these problems troubling the world will disappear. So by being successful in anapanasati, we can help to create a world that is free of problems and trouble by removing selfishness from our own lives and helping our friends to do the same. And then we'll have a world that is genuinely peaceful. Now you already know that having Dhamma is not just of benefit to the individual. Having Dhamma will have benefits for the whole world. When one has Dhamma, one can benefit the whole world. And so the results of, of this practice can spread through, throughout the world. So this is the broadest benefits of, of practicing, of studying Dhamma and practicing mindfulness with breathing, that we can bring about a better and better humanity so that humanity is less and less selfish and therefore causing fewer and fewer problems. The criminals and other people who are causing problems in society this is so because they can't control their own selfishness. And so they, they turn to alcohol, to drugs, to prostitution, to corruption, to theft, and all kinds of other selfish behaviors. This is because they can't control their own minds. And so they fall into all these harmful, selfish activities. This is why they're called antapan, or fools. These criminals are just fools who don't understand life and can't control it. 
but it's through understanding Dhamma and through being able to practice anapanasati that one gains control over one's life and so that one is not under the power of selfishness like like the fools and criminals. Please look carefully and you'll be able to see that all problems in the world arise from the inability to control the mind. When we can't control the mind, then selfishness occurs. And when there's selfishness, everything we do is wrong. What we do is harmful for others. It causes problems all over the world. If, if just one person can't control their mind, then the selfishness of just this one person will cause problems and difficulties for everyone else. So all problems can be traced to the inability of individuals to control their own minds. The problem isn't that we don't know better. The problem is that we can't control the minds. We all know that that addictive drugs are are harmful and bad. But many of us just can't control ourselves. And so we get involved in these things. All kinds of evil things in the world. People know that these things are wrong, but they can't control their minds. And so they can't they can't stay out of these troubles. All even the things like drinking, carousing at night, gambling, hanging around with with seedy, disreputable people, or being lazy about our work, our jobs, all of these are a, a result of our inability to control our minds. We all know that we shouldn't do these things. We all know better but we are not able to control ourselves. Take a very current example, the whole thing with drugs. Now drugs has become such a problem that it's considered almost a war. There used to be this drug business was not as a problem before, but now it's grown until it's, it's an international issue dominating political discussions, and so on. This whole problem is because people can't control their minds. If people could control their minds, drugs would not be any, would have no meaning. But because people can't control their minds, they're susceptible to these things, they get caught in them, and this is spread now all around the world. We do, but nobody can do anything about it because they don't deal with the basic causes, which is the fact that people aren't able to control themselves. So don't think that cleverness or intelligence is enough. If one is very intelligent but can't con 
control one's mind to keep it correct, to keep it in the right way, then one will still get into all kinds of selfishness and problems. Cleverness, intelligence by itself is just not enough. Look at this world where people are full of cleverness, people are so intelligent, where our world is full of universities. But why is it that we still don't have any peace? Why is it that there's even less peace in the world as people get more and more clever and intelligent? And as our societies progress, where soon we'll be able to travel to other planets, this is how clever we're becoming. But this ability to go to other planets, is it going to bring us any peace in this world? Or is it just people using cleverness to serve their own personal benefits, to to follow their own defilements, to follow their own desires. So cleverness by itself, intelligence by itself, does not bring, does not bring any peace. All the clever people in this world need to practice mindfulness with breathing so that they can control their minds, so that their cleverness will actually benefit them instead of causing them just more problems. Often, our intelligence causes us more problems than it solves. So, don't just teach your children to be clever. Don't just train the intelligence of your children, but also teach them self-control. If you don't, then this intelligence will just turn on, turn on them and will make problems, will mess up their lives. You can call this self-control, you can call it discipline, you can call it whatever you want. In Dhamma language we call it being able to control the mind. When we can't control the mind, then it will just we'll just act and behave in selfish ways. And when this selfishness is very clever, then it has all kinds of abilities to cause problems. Nowadays, everybody in the world is selfish. Everybody is behaving selfishly. And so we're, this world is full of competition. People are always fighting against each other to get the things they want because they're all very clever but nobody has the ability to control their minds. And so the situation in the world may be getting worse, not better, because as we get as we get more and more clever. Please see if you can remember this one sentence which expresses what we're saying, that if we can't control the mind, then life will bite itself, and that cleverness will kill its owner. If we
can't control the mind, life will bite its owner, and this cleverness will kill its owner. If you, you've probably noticed that every lesson of Anapanasati, all 16 lessons of mindfulness with breathing, are one form or another of mastery of the mind. In the first lessons, the first tetrad, we, by gaining mastery over the breathing in body, this is one level of controlling the mind. And then mastering the feelings also helps us to be able to control the mind. Then in the third group of lessons, we we work at mastering the mind directly. And then finally, there's the, the last group about Dhamma, where one thoroughly understands Dhamma and is able to keep life completely in line with the natural law of Dhamma. So every aspect of this practice, every of all of the 16 lessons involved in it are ways of controlling the mind. If we can practice this, then we'll be able to control our minds in all respects in a completely natural and relaxed way. It's not some uptight kind of control. So please exam- pay attention to anapanasati in this way until you see how important it is and so that you stick to it as a companion for life. When we say partner of life, we mean something more than just being a friend. One can have many friends, but one's partner in life or one's mate is something very special and unique, something very important. If we have anapanasati as our partner in life, then it will always be available to help us and protect us. We can even go so far as to say, to to take mindfulness with breathing as life itself, so that it is always with us. Through, if we have anapanasati as life itself, then we will have dhamma as life itself. And to have dhamma as life is to protect us from all problems. It's like having a vaccine that prevents all diseases. It's like a medicine that can cure all diseases. If dhamma is our partner in life, or even life itself, then we'll be beyond all problems. The ordinary partners that people have, the husbands and wives, these, we can be separated these, from these partners by many miles. We can even live in a different country than our partner and still survive and still live quite happily. But if we're divorced or separated from Dhamma, then we won't survive very long at all. 
our life will become a mess and will, if we're totally separated from Dhamma, then we will die. So having this partner or mate is absolutely necessary. By taking anapanasati as our partner in life, we will more and more have Dhamma as our partner. Next, we'd like to invite you all to help create a new world. We ask you all to help to build a new world. Now, don't go thinking that this is beyond your ability or that it's a waste of your time or it's unimportant. We invite you to help by helping others to understand dependent origination and by helping them to have the Dhamma of mindfulness with breathing. A new world will come about, a world of peace will come about when, when people have this, this Dhamma. So please don't think that trying to build a better world, to try and make a new world, is crazy or beyond our abilities. In fact, it's the thing that's, it's the most correct thing to do. It's most appropriate. It's, it's what we all ought to be doing. Look at things in this way. We can't exist in this world alone. Nature has created us in a way that we can't live alone. We can't be totally alone or by ourselves. Even if the whole world was given to us, how could we live in it all alone? Even in a family, how could we be alone without family? It's impossible to be all by ourselves. There would be no family. We just can't survive in this world without friends. When this is the natural fact of things, then it's necessary that we have good friends. If our world is full of bad friends, friends who are just causing trouble for us or encouraging us to do stupid, dangerous things, then it's like being dead or being a zombie or something, even while still breathing. We need to build a world of good friends, of comrades, of genuine comrades in birth, aging, illness, and death. Then life will truly have meaning and value. This is, the, this is the reality of things, that we need friends. But we need good friends. And so we must do whatever we can to have a world of good friends. Now, you could call this world the kingdom of God, or you could call it the coming of the Messiah, or whatever you wish. In Buddhism, we have the same, the same kind of wish. Buddhists 
are talk about the coming of Maitreya Buddha and that Maitreya Buddha will bring the world of universal love. This is or universal friendliness. It's a world in which it's a world that is just full of friends. One one leaves one's home and one goes out in the street and all one meets is friends. People are raising their hands asking, what can I do for you? Can I help you? Is there any way I can serve you? Everywhere we go, we just find friends. So that our husbands, wives, children seem to be everywhere, where everyone is the same in being our being friends. And then we go home and they're, oh, these are our, this is our husband, our wife, our children, our parents. But somehow it's the same everywhere. Everyone is our, our friend. This is something that Buddhists, many Buddhists, are hoping for. A world that is full of, of true friends. This is something that we ourselves hope for and we wonder whether you also hope for the same thing or maybe you you don't care in short we can just call it a world of friendliness a world of friendliness but this this is something that we need very much but right now it's not possible not possible because everyone in the world is being selfish. Every one of us is still behaving selfishly. And so we prevent the world of friendliness. We're, and we're selfish because we can't control our minds. The world is full of selfish people because nobody has anapanasati, Nobody has the results and advantages of mindfulness with breathing. And so we don't have a world of friendliness. But when we practice mindfulness with breathing, when we receive its, its benefits, then we can control the mind and then there is no more selfishness. And then we can create, we can create the world of friendliness in a blink of the eye. You might think that we're just kidding you, but we say that you can build, you can create a world of friendliness in the blink of an eye if we have the benefits and advantages of anapanasati. From reading the papers, listening to the radio, we can see that all around the world there are people fighting and killing each other. Even in one, it's not just between countries, even within the same country there are people squaring off, fighting, killing each other, blowing each other up. Not even between, in, within countries, but even within the same religion. People who follow the same religion supposedly, are fighting and killing each other. And if we look, we'll even find this in the same family. 
we'll find people of the same family fighting each other, killing each other. Not just and in any family we find people arguing, taking advantage of each other. Husbands and wives are always getting into fights. And the sole reason for all of this, the fighting, the killing, on whatever level, the reason is because of selfishness. So let's, let's all work to get rid of this selfishness, to create a world of, of friendliness. Let's do what we can to remove the selfishness by learning to control our minds, to master our own minds so that there's no selfishness, so that we can end all the fighting and competing and killing on the national level, amongst religions, amongst families, even to remove the fighting that goes on between us and our husbands and wives. It isn't hard to see that all the religions aim at peace in the world, that all the religions are seeking a world of peace. The thing is, all the followers of these religions don't practice the religions that they profess. People will maybe do their ceremonies in the churches and temples and say, I am this, I am that. But then they don't actually practice the religion that they claim to follow. And the reason for this is because they can't master their own minds. And so they, they behave selfishly instead of following the teachings of their religion. And then even worse, the religions get per perverted and twisted by the selfishness of these people who claim to follow the religion but actually don't practice it. What we need is to be able to master the mind, to train the mind with mindfulness, with breathing, so that we can actually follow our religions. Whatever it is, if we would actually follow it, if we would follow our, our religion, then we would be building a world of peace and we would, we would make our religions what they're meant to be. But now, most of the religions in the world are useless. They're empty. They're just a waste of time and energy because nobody's practicing them. All they're doing is going through ceremonies and signing up lists of converts and other useless and meaningless activities because people are not actually practicing. And by not practicing the religions, because they can't control their minds, religions are not able to fulfill their role of bringing peace into the world. There's a secret which nobody notices, <clears throat> and it's time we brought it out into the open because this shouldn't remain a secret anymore. The secret is that the member, that every member 
of every political party is selfish. Without any exception, everyone who is a member of a political party is, is being selfish. Now when we say member, this includes both people who are officially registered card-carrying holders, card-carrying members of this or that political party. But this also means people who support one party or another in private. Even if just inside, we prefer or favor one party or another, this is, is selfish. As long as we continue taking sides and breaking up into parties, then we are behaving selfishly instead of <coughs> genuinely behaving for the common good. All these polit political parties claim to be seeking the common good, but in fact this is not the truth. Without, they may not realize it, but their behavior is actually selfish, they're seeking the good of only certain individuals or certain, or most of all, their own party. What we need to do is to transform this situation, to change these political parties from entities of selfishness into unselfishness, so that politics can become an unselfish activity instead of a selfish activity. When we have political groupings that are unselfish, if we have a, the party of unselfishness, then it will finally become possible to solve society's problems and the problems of the world. But these selfish political parties will never really solve any problems. They'll just keep changing the problem or recreating it in new forms. What we need is to start the party of unselfishness. Real politics would be able to create a peaceful world or a, a peaceful polis or city or nation without using weapons, without using force and power. Nowadays, all we have are fake politics. We have fake governments that really can't perform their rightful duty. All these governments exist through weapons, through power, and the peace that they supposedly protect is not a very deep or meaningful one. It's often a false peace. This is because the politics we have is fake politics. Genuine politics must be able to build a world of peace without using weapons, without using force. This can only happen when it's a politics based in, in Dhamma, which is something that we must study further in order to be able to have a Dhammic politics that is truly able to make a peaceful world. The Even the, the politicians or the governments which claim to be democratic, even these 
are selfish. Often the democracy is just the cover for selfishness. And then dictatorships are selfish in a dictatorial way. Communist governments are selfish in a communist way. Even the more recent socialist governments can be, are selfish in their way. Each of these are just different versions of selfishness. These various political groups or parties will always claim certain ideals and they'll use these as, as they'll use these to try and cover up the selfishness. But the basic motivating force behind all these things is, is selfishness. And so they're really not able to, to succeed in any of their claims. They claim all these ideals, but they never really fulfill them because the basic impulse is selfish. This is because none of these parties or these ideologies are based in Dhamma. They're based instead in selfishness. And so these political situations will keep spinning around, creating conflict and problems until we can remove it all from the power of selfishness, until we have a political party that is truly composed with Dhamma. There are, of course, politicians claiming to be representing a religion or to be representing religious values. But almost always this is just another cover for some selfish project. Only when the parties are genuinely, are only interested in what's right, in peace, in unselfishness, in Dhamma, only then will they be real or true political parties. Take a very immediate or close example. What happens when the employer, the boss, is selfish and the employees are selfish? When the boss is selfish and the employees are selfish, they're unable to talk to each other. They're always trying to take advantage of each other and exploit each other. And so what kind of work gets done? When both sides are just being selfish, no real meaningful work gets done. But what happens when the employer is unselfish and the employees are unselfish? Then what kind of results occur? What way will lead to peace in this world? What way will lead to us actually doing things in this world that lead to peace? The way of just where everyone is being selfish or where we're being unselfish. If the employer is unselfish and the employees are unselfish, then they can sit down and talk to each other, they can discuss the work, and they can go about doing it in a peaceful, productive, meaningful way. This, this is the central issue in solving all the problems in society, with the environment, with this world. All of the problems come from selfishness. We can't solve the problems 
because of selfishness. The only way we can do anything meaningful in this world is by getting rid of selfishness. Or if we come even closer to home, to the family, if we look, the father is selfish, the mother is selfish, the children are selfish, I myself am selfish. When the family is just full of selfish people, then what's going to happen? To get rid of selfishness, to destroy this selfishness, can only be done through Dhamma. One has to have Dhamma if one is to get rid of this selfishness. And having Dhamma is the automatic advantage of being successful in practicing mindfulness with breathing meditation. If we practice this deeply, completely, then the result will be Dhamma, which having Dhamma, being able to practice and apply Dhamma in a way that will get rid of all selfishness. This is the only way we have open to us for beginning to solve the world's problems. So please be very interested in, in learning, in practicing anapanasati and learning to master our minds so that we can free ourselves and free our world from selfishness. So let's have a, let's create a political ideology that is truly on the side of God that truly supports the wishes of God. This kind of party or ideology would have to be one that is basically socialist, meaning that it's for the good of society. It's an ideology that truly considers the common good. However, this kind of socialism wouldn't be the socialism of Karl Marx, because his socialism is still basically one of selfishness, and so it's never been really successful. Instead, we need a socialism of Dhamma, a socialism rooted in Dhamma, controlled by Dhamma. Then it would be a socialism which is free of selfishness. We call it Dharmic socialism, Dhammic socialism, a socialism of Dhamma. In this kind of socialism, there is no selfishness at all. This is the kind of political ideology that we need in this world. So we all need to... The kind of ideology that is a liberal democracy based in the freedom of the individual is something that is not really natural or dhamic. This is because if we honestly look at life, we'll see that nature has created us to live together. Human beings cannot live without society. We are social beings more than we are individuals. As long as we cling to political ideologies of the rights and freedoms of the individual, we will always 
have ideologies which tend towards selfishness. So instead, we need to take a view that is basically socialist, but not socialist in the way that it's been twisted and turned in political history. Socialism means where society is taken as the basic unit instead of the individual, and that the ideology is, or the political system, is solely what is good for society. With, if, but this won't work if it depends on weapons and force. We need to develop a socialism that doesn't rely on force. Instead, a socialism where we are able to control our selfishness through Dhamma. It's a socialism based in Dhamma that is brought about through Dhamma. We're not talking about forcing this on the world. It must grow out of Dhamma. It must grow out of people practicing Dhamma. To do this, then, to bring about such a Dhammic socialism means first being able to control selfishness. Controlling selfishness can only be done by having Dhamma, which is the result of developing the mind through mindfulness with breathing. So we ask all of you to do your best to practice anapanasati so that this will give us the ability to master our own minds in order to free ourselves from selfishness. Then we can help to build a social structure, a politics, a world that is unselfish. Now, please don't misunderstand the word religion. Most people don't use this word correctly. Properly, religion is that which removes selfishness. Religion is the thing that can get rid of selfishness. Karl Marx did not understand this, and so he claimed that religion was the opiate of the people. He, he claimed that religion was an opiate, which is not really what, that's not real religion. If something is truly a religion, all the things that do function as opiates are not actual religion. If something is truly religion, then it must be able to get rid of selfishness. This means that real religion can get rid of all the addictions, all the addictive drugs, opiates and coke and all those things, and it can even get rid of the highest form of addiction, the most dangerous drug of all, which is just selfishness. True religion has this as its, as its goal, and a real religion is able to do it. A true religion can get rid of all the drugs, all the addictions, and all selfishness. So please understand religion in this way. If we understand it this way, religion has benefit and value. 
If we go and understand religion in another way, then religion becomes worthless and even dangerous. So in short, let's all do our best to build a world that is full of peace. A world that is full of peace because people are eliminating and controlling selfishness. We can control selfishness by being able to master our own minds, by training our minds correctly with things with genuine religion and things like anapanasati. Please take this as your own hope and wish and then strive that each of us may do our best to master our minds, to control selfishness, so that we can have a world that is empty of selfishness, a world of unselfishness, a world where there is universal friendliness, true universal love, not just words about love, where there is, we are all comrades, true friends in birth, aging, illness, and death. Please take this as your hope and do your best to bring it about. So we must form a Peace Corps. We must form a Peace Corps within ourselves by eliminating selfishness from ourselves so that we can be a vehicle for peace instead of for conflict. If we can become a Peace Corps, then we can, if we can master our minds, we can become a Peace Corps by mastering our minds eliminate and eliminating selfishness. We do this through having the Dhamma that is a result of thoroughly practicing mindfulness with freedom. And we practice this based in, with a foundation of the understanding of dependent origination. When we begin with an understanding of dependent origination and practice mindfulness with breathing correctly, then we will be more and more successful at freeing ourselves from selfishness and we will become a Peace Corps or a, a vehicle for peace in this world. If you still feel that there is selfishness in this world, then keep practicing. Practice over and over and over until you can remove all selfishness. This is how we can create a world of peace, of friendliness, of love. Please do your best to, to use your life in this way. If in the future, you still are not completely successful, then we welcome you to, to visit again so that we can continue to work at solving the problem of selfishness. Time is, has been used up, and so this will be the end of our talk. So thank you all for being such good listeners. You've been listening very quiet, very well. We hope that all of you who have come as tourists 
will leave as pilgrims with your backpacks filled with, with that which will keep you free of suffering, that will free you from death, that will allow you to live without any problems. So come as tourists and leave as pilgrims. That's, that's all for this morning. <laughs>